Okay, I'm going to invite you to return to your seats. This place has the feel of family, and especially so when you hear those conversations that uh, are, they, they fire up pretty quickly and they, they go even when you are asking people to return to their seats, which is a good thing. And I bless you. Um, we're, we're also part of a larger church family. Uh, and so I just want to remind you of that, that, that our, our church, Unity Baptist Church, is part of the Alberta Baptist Association, which is um, the Association of North American Baptist Churches. That's the denomination, not all the Baptist churches in North America, but our particular brand is called North American Baptist Churches. And so um, we, we had an ABA that... Alberta Baptist Association had a general meeting this past, uh, not this week, but the week before. Um, And I just wanted to give you a a little bit of an update on that, just general family news that you might want to be aware of. First of all, this this family that we are a part of is actually up to about 66 churches just in Alberta. Uh, There are somewhere between four and 500 churches in Canada and the States together, but 66 just in Alberta. And so we've got quite a good family. Um, this family is actually going to be meeting here in Red Deer in 2024. So it's been a couple of years since they've had um, conferences where the family all gets together in one place. We've been doing our online uh, AGM meetings online for the last couple of years, but they want to do an event that just brings all the different churches together. And so that's going to be happening here in Red Deer in May of 2024. The funny thing was that they announced that without ever letting the the ABA church in Red Deer know. Um, And if they had let us know, I might have said the ABA church in Red Deer, it's uh, up in the air, what will be going on with a building? Um, but that's going to be their problem. <laughs> so just anyway, just heads up that it, in another year, we're going to be having that here. And, and then a couple of months later, so in July of 2024, our whole family from um, all across Canada and the States get together every three years for the triennial. And that's going to be happening in July of 2024 down in St. Paul, Minnesota. I know the benders usually get down there. I will get down there as well. Um, but anyway, that's happening in another year. I thought I'd also let you know that as far as the ABA goes, um, Rob, our former senior pastor here, he's currently serving in Calgary uh, at a temporary position there at Grace Baptist, but he has now been appointed once again to the ABA Leadership Council. So that's the board that oversees our regional ministers, and then those regional ministers support the 66 churches in the association. And so uh, Rob is once again on that board. He's been on it before. He's returned to it, and I told him to do better this time. Um, <laughs> Partly because we did have a regional minister die on his last watch. So. <laughs> anyway, um, blessed him. Wanted to let you know as well that um, Taylor Seminary, um, many of you, uh, some of you have actually gone to um, what was North American Baptist College and then seminary. It's, it, it got rebranded as Taylor a number of years ago up in Edmonton. Um, they have been in partnership for the last couple of years with the the. Um, uh, the seminary in the States in Sioux Falls, Sioux Falls Seminary. And and that partnership has grown and become something called the Kairos Program. And the Kairos Program has been something that they've been moving more and more online. And so seminaries, uh, particularly R2, are really facing the question of what do we do with land 
that we don't need as much anymore because more and more of our students are moving online. And so they're asking for prayer about this right now because they're actively starting to to explore what are their options for whether or not they need this land or what would they do with it. And so you can be in prayer for Taylor Seminary, particularly if you went there. Um, But again, they're part of our family. And so pray for them. Lastly, Camp Caroline. I know many of you have been blessed by the ABA's Camp Caroline. They're celebrating 50 years of ministry this year. And so they're going to have a 50th anniversary party uh, out at Camp Caroline. It's on June 10th. And so there is going to be not only uh, a chance for you to get out there and celebrate with them, but also opportunities for you to volunteer for that event as well. So if you want to get out there and be a part of that, we will get you more information on all the different options for that. Sarah. Cool. Did everyone hear that? It is at Camp Caroline, out in Caroline. The camp is in Caroline, yes. Yes, the town, just, just outside of the, the town, yes. Um, Sarah, are you on their board now? Is that right? So see Sarah for more information because she's on their board. Cool. All right, those are ABA updates. I wanted to invite Kevin Bender up just to give a council update on the church stuff as well. Thanks, Kevin. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks for family. Uh, I thank you so much for the ABA family that you have made us a part of, our North American Baptist Conference that you've placed the ABA within. Lord, we are are gifted with, with people who have been faithful for a long time and have supported us in many ways for a long time as well. I thank you in particular for for Terry Fawson and for Matt Wilkes and for the ways that they, uh, as regional ministers, support us. I, I thank you for placing Rob back on the leadership council there to give them guidance and direction and support and pray your blessings over our ABA family. Pray in particular for for guidance for those making decisions about Taylor Seminary, that you you would give them wisdom and understanding that they might make decisions that will honor you. I pray your blessings over times where we get together in the coming Uh, weeks and coming years, that that these would be times of renewal and refreshing. I thank you for the work that you're doing here at the church and for the ways that this this council is seeking your face and seeking to be led by your spirit. Would you you continue to, to give guidance and sensitize us to the ways that you are speaking and working and moving, that we might respond well to you? Would you in particular provide for us as we seek a, a harbor for this ship in the coming year? Would you provide a good one for us? Would you, would you make the way clear for us? Would you get those things out of the way that need to be got out of the way, whether it's the portable or the other little detail lawyery stuff? Would you, would you settle this thing and guide your people so that uh, your kingdom goes forward and that we remain focused on the things most important on, in your kingdom? Lord, as we open your word, would you tune our hearts to yours? Would you, in sensitive and yet specific ways, point out the places where we most need to hear something from your word today, whether it's a rebuke or an encouragement? 
Whatever it is that we need to hear, Lord, we want to be ready to hear it. So for a moment, we take a moment here now in silence and say, Lord, prepare me to hear you speak. We love you, Lord. All of this is for you. Have your way through this time. In Jesus' name, amen. I was talking to someone before the service who was telling me that I'm a slow talker, apparently. So I'm going to make that person a slow listener. (laughs) Actually, I love that person dearly. And I apologize (laughs) if I don't always make this thing land the way it should. I've been asking myself the question lately, um, why does fire die? A couple of years ago, um, we started a prayer group, Monday night men's prayer. Not some of us from this church, but a number of other churches as well. And I watched an increase in fire in people as we got together passion and and desperation that that the result of that were some amazing things we heard God say we saw God do just incredible i've watched that happen over and over and over again in my life and in the lives of others that i i've served alongside i've ministered to and yet i have also watched fires die And the question that I ask myself for my own sake is, how do I keep a fire going? How do I keep a fire going? I don't want to be a firecracker, right? A little bit of flash and excitement for a little while, and then there's nothing left. How do I keep a fire going? No. It's something that as adults, God's going to entrust to us to do. I had, um, we had a fire in our, our backyard earlier this week, like a controlled fire, I mean. Um, and it was mostly my kids roasting marshmallows. And uh, because my kids grew up in the city, I don't let them build their own fires and then maintain them. And so every once in a while, Marcus would say to me, Dad, can you add some more wood to the fire? Fires have to be fed. And, and as adults, we have to learn to feed our own fire because God will light it, but it's up to us to maintain. And I want to make sure that I have a life where the fire continues to grow, regardless of what else is going on in the world. Because we were really, really desperate when COVID was hitting. And we are heading into a season of complete apathy, especially as summer comes. So can I maintain a fire in a period where there is not des- where I don't need or I'm not forced to be desperate? Can I still be desperate? Can I still go for God even when, it's, when life is easy? I was going to start off this message, and then the psalm is very much about a guy in trouble. 
I think we, the trouble we face more often is that we have too many comforts and it doesn't appear to us to be trouble. But it is actually more dangerous than trouble because trouble drives us to God. Apathy does the opposite. Comfort does the opposite. Would you grab Psalm 16? I don't know that Psalm 16 has the answer to all of my question about how do I keep a fire going, but I I have seen enough answers in Psalm 16 that if we just start here, we will have a good fire to work with and continue to feed with other things as well. I have no reason, well, maybe two reasons for jumping into Psalm 16 before continuing to John 9. One is I wasn't ready to jump into John 9, um, healing of the blind man, but that's coming next week. Pray for me. Um, The second was that I'd been reading through the Psalms and this one just hit me this week. And so I, I, I offer it to you as a blessing to you because it blessed me so immensely this week to the point that I memorized this psalm. Um, and I don't say that as a brag. I say that as an encouragement to you that you can do it too. I, I probably had three or four different verses in this psalm already memorized. So maybe I only had to memorize seven or eight verses, but you can do it too. All I did was write it down. And then I folded up that paper and I memorized one line at a time. I kept it in my pocket, it's still here, and I'd pull it out. And I'd, I, would, I would just have one verse in front of me, and I'd pull that verse out, protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. And then I'd come back to it again, and it would be, protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to Yahweh, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. And then I could add to it after that, and it took me the week. But you could memorize a song in a psalm in a week. And you know, you'll memorize it even faster if you're making it yours and praying it back to God. I, I really encourage you to do that, particularly for this one. It's, it's an incredibly beautiful song. And may it protect us from apathy. Here we go. Psalm 16, beginning at verse 1. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to Yahweh, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. Yahweh is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a delightful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I set the Lord or keep the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you do not give me up to the grave or let your faithful ones see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We will work through most of this psalm. I'm not going to take it in order, though. 
as I said, this is a guy who needs protection because he's in trouble. And maybe we need our eyes opened to see the trouble that we are in a little bit more so that we once again call out to God, protect me from apathy, protect me from comfort, protect me from uh, indifference and numbness. I want to fire God. I want a fire I can feel. I want to burn for you. It's going to take, if you look at verse 4, calling checkers, checkers. Let me remind you of this metaphor that we have used. The kingdom of God, as in the things that are important to God, are chess. The things that the world is after, the world in which we generally operate, is checkers. And so many people are winning at checkers at the expense of chess. And we have to start calling checkers, checkers. Because we see them in the entertainment industry and we see them in the news and we see the vehicles driving down our street and we drive by those houses and we go, they're winning. They're winning. No, they're winning at the wrong game. But if we don't start calling it what it is, we will go after it. Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows. May the Lord first open our eyes to see that they are gods and that by going after them, we do it to our own hurt. We will not simply add to our sorrows. We will multiply them. But Lord, open our eyes to see it because checkers doesn't look like it. It just doesn't seem like it. There's a lot of pressure there. And and so often what we say is, well, I want God and that. And what we then do is say, I want God and that and that. And I want that and that and God. And I want that and that and that. And by the end, we have dropped off God. And what the psalmist does is make God his delight instead. And you see it coming out in verse 3. Look at verse 3. As for the holy ones in the land, they're the people who are going to win for me. They are the noble in whom is all my delight. He's, he is redefining. It. You know, think in, um, how do you put it? Old school days, right? Way back when. There was an aristocracy. There was a nobility. And there were the peasants, right? Just put it in stark terms, right? What he does is reverse them. And he says, the the people who are going to be the nobility for me, the people that I am going to most admire, the people whose lives I want to imitate and that I aspire to, it's going to have absolutely nothing to do with checkers. It's going to be the people who exude a holiness. For this psalmist, it's going to be His focus is going to be, his delight is going to be on people who have a fire for Jesus. 
and don't give a rip about trying to add other stuff. He chooses where he is going to focus his delight and his admiration. And the reason he can do it is because he's calling checkers what it is. May the Lord do that for me. I am not preaching simply to you. Because I live in that neighborhood and I see those cars drive by and I walk by those houses that are bigger than mine and on and on and on and on. Right? And I, and in fact, I'm more naive sometimes because I think that I can get away with it because I'm paid to focus on God. So maybe I can be the exception to the rule where I can have God and that other stuff. So I'm preaching to myself here. This psalmist has found a way to truly delight in Jesus simply because he's Jesus. I find this incredible. Look at the second part of verse two. I say to you, Lord, I have no good apart from you. You can take that in two different ways, and perhaps they're both meant. One, there's no good thing that has come into my life except that you sent it, and we sang it that way, right? Father of lights, you delight in your children. Every good and perfect gift is from you, right? Comes right out of James. The other way to take it is that every good, every good thing that I've got pales in comparison to you. I have no good apart from you, Jesus. You see the two different ways to take that? You chew on which one of them God's speaking to you about. Look at verse 5. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. A chosen portion is the best of everything. Out of all that is available, the chosen portion is the best. Out of all the things that I could access at any given time, it is the Lord who is always the best. Lord, would you give me such a a singleness, a singleness of focus and desire that nothing else compares? Do that in me. You be my delight. You see this in verse 11. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There is a way of of knowing, not knowing about, knowing God, where what we receive from him and what he produces in us by way of that relationship, by way of that intimacy, produces joy and delight that nothing else can compare with. But we're never going to go for it until we first believe it. 
how do you keep a fire going? You got to want that fire. A number of years ago, I used to only drink Tim Hortons double doubles. No offense to those of you who drink Tim Hortons double doubles. I wanted to learn to like black coffee. It was my goal because truly that is the only real coffee. I got a few amens and the rest of you aren't too happy with me. I had to reduce the sugar and then I had to reduce the cream. And then I had to just suck it up and start drinking black. But it was this gradual reduction, a step, and then I started really enjoying it. I do not like coffee with cream so much anymore and keep the sugar the heck away. Black coffee is where it's at. I knew there was something good there but I had to strip some things away to get where I wanted to be. This is why fasting is so crucial. This is why we have talked about fasting so many times and practiced fasting the last couple of years very intentionally because we have to wean ourselves off the sugar and find delight somewhere else. Because God, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. But if there are too many other sugary things in our lives, we're not going to find it. It's not that it's not there. It's that I have appetites for something else more than I do for God. I highly encourage you to practice fasting. We have said we fast every Thursday as a church. Could you commit to doing that? Every Thursday, you give something up in which you take delight in, in order that you may learn to take delight where God is giving it. In himself, in his presence, in his voice, in his gifts, in the things that he is doing and the things that he wants to do. It's going to be very hard to have your cake and eat it too with this one. That's why we practice fasting. Join us every Thursday. Give up caffeine for a day. Eat vegan for a day. I challenge you. Give up screens for an entire day. Give up social media for a day. You will find life, not simply if you give something up. The only way you will find life and joy is not by giving it up, but by then asking for God to meet you in that place of dependence, saying, I will seek joy in you, not in this. But it is there. Look at verse 7. How do you keep a fire going? Learn to hear God. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. He's speaking. 
Are we listening? You want to keep a fire going? Ask him about it. Because he's talking to you. The question is, have we learned to recognize what he is saying? I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. Look at verse 8. He takes it one step further. I set the Lord always before me. Uh, New New American Standard says, I set the Lord. Um, Some of your um, more uh, thought for thought translations like NIV, NLT will say, I I keep my focus on God or I, I keep the Lord before me in some way. It's actually, I set the Lord before me. I have made an active choice to to focus on God in this spot. In fact, this is why part of what we do in inner healing ministry is say, picture Jesus here. Because God gives you the opportunity to set him before you. It's not... um, No, I'm going to back up. Could you close your eyes for a moment, please? See Jesus with your eyes closed. Ask him for help. Ask him to speak. I set the Lord always before me. with my eyes closed or my eyes open. Amen. The Lord gives you that opportunity. He is always with you. At any given time, you have the opportunity to see and meet with Jesus. He loves you that much. I set the Lord always before me. And the more that we go into an interactive relationship with Jesus, the more you will keep a fire going because it's all about him. I I encourage you more and more and more to find a way of being with the Lord in such a way that you bless him and invite him to bless you through an exchange. He will meet you. The psalmist says, verse 11, 
you show me the path of life. Remember, this is a guy in trouble who started off the psalm with protect me. He needs a path of life. He needs a path of life. And where does it come? It comes from, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. It it comes from, I keep the Lord always before me. I set him before me because he's at my right hand. I will not be moved. Therefore, my entire being rejoices. Even my body rests secure, verse 9. For you're not going to give me up to the pit. You're not going to send me to the grave. You will show me the path of life. And he's not talking about how to get your sins forgiven to find eternal life. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about life after death. He's talking about abundant life in life. And the way that you find abundant life in life is to hear him speak and ask him to guide you in it. You show me the path of life. God, grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might receive and walk in what he is currently sharing with us, that we might find life. That's how we keep the fire going. And you can't do it alone. As for the holy ones in the land, remember, they are the noble in whom I delight. You cannot do it alone. You will not, I can practically guarantee you, you will not sustain long-term fire by yourself. We have to not only admire those people, we have to be with them. Let's take a moment to listen. Would you close your eyes? Would you... Picture Jesus and ask him, Lord, out of this psalm, what do you most want me to focus on? That I might have fire that would increase. Take a moment and ask him to to speak to you. Feed your fires. Feed your fires. As you hear the Lord speak to you, make a plan for how you will steward and nurture what he says and does. To change the metaphor, um, I am the vine and you are the branches, right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. With me, you bear abundant fruit. Right? What do vines grow on? Vines grow on a trellis. The trellis is not the vine. But what we need are structures in our lives that will provide and sustain further growth. So as you hear the Lord speak, what you have to do is find a way to integrate it into your life in such a way that you can expect more to grow. If you do not integrate it into your life, if it doesn't find a place on that trellis, you will not have growth. 
Now to switch it back to fire, feed your fire. The only one who is responsible for your fire is you and me. I'm not responsible for your fire. I'm only responsible for mine. And I I watch people regularly come here and there's something that grabs them. God speaks. There's an excitement and excitement's great. And I'm all for excitement. I want more exciting things, but I have to have to make the transfer to something that can be sustained. Right? Lord, make us faithful. Let's pray. Lord, it's a parable of the, the, the virgins with oil, with lamps. Some brought oil. Some have to go find it. Lord, would you make us people who are constantly getting oil for our lamps, that the lamps would burn bright. Lord, would you make us people who who steward, who nurture what it is that you are saying and doing among us that we might be faithful to you. Lord, would you show us how to keep fire going that we may burn brightly for Jesus. You say, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The only lights they had came from fires. Lord, would you grant us lives of burning passionately for Jesus that lights the way for other people. That all might come to know Christ. That our family members who who see us show up at the parties and the the reunions and the the family get-togethers would see Jesus in us and that their way would be lit because of what you do in us, that they might come and catch fire too. Lord, would you make us people who delight in you? Lord, I claim that Psalm, Psalm 37, 4, that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Lord, would you do that in us as we lay things aside, as we focus on you, as we do this together, may we become a people who find you producing in us more and more joy for you, more and more delight in you because you are worthy. You are so worthy, Lord. We love you. We show up here because we love you. We show up here because we want to meet with you once again. But Lord, would you show us then how to take something from here and keep that fire going? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Anyone would like prayer? Feel free to come on up after. Happy to pray with anyone. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you 
and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for being here.